this is Kevin Ross, the Soul Assassin. You're listening to We Are Rising Podcast. Hey everybody, you're listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising and JMMA. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I'm joined once uh, joined by a very special guest today. We have our first official ever kickboxer to be on the show. With us, we have Kevin Ross, uh, the sole assassin who will be taking on Daiki Watabe at Rising 17 at the Saitama Super Arena, July 27th. And uh, Kevin, I appreciate you doing this interview today. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure, man. So, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, for people who may not be familiar with you. Uh, just uh, uh, who you are and how you got started in kickboxing. That's a long story. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I got started in 2003, January of 2003. Um, I was almost 23 year old. 23 years old when I first started training. Um, I actually had always loved martial arts growing up and boxing and everything. Uh, I always thought about doing it, but it was just kind of a fear of mine, I guess, to a degree. You know, I, it was like something I always wanted to do, but just wasn't ready to put my life on hold in order to dedicate myself and was too busy partying and drinking my life away in Vegas to, you know, get serious with it. And then um, I lost one of my best friends about in 1999 and after he passed, I promised myself that I would go after this dream and, you know, face all these fears out and doubts I was having. And, uh, yeah, I finally snapped out of it one day and been on the road ever since. Uh, what exactly, what was it about kickboxing that attracted you to that type of martial arts as opposed to maybe a karate or taekwondo um, or any other type of martial arts? Uh, well... Muay Thai is my passion and, and what I love to do. Kickboxing kind of developed, um, you know, it was like a new venture for me just within the last three years now, I think. I've only, I mean, I've only had six kickboxing fights. Uh, the majority of my career has been Muay Thai. Um, but, you know, going into kickboxing, it was just a, a another avenue, another, um, you know, it was like a brand new thing almost. So it was a... Uh, it was like starting all over to a degree. You know, I was able to take a lot of my skills from Muay Thai, but had to develop uh, many more and adjust and you know minimize all the things I could do prior. So it was it was kind of a it was it was refreshing to do something new after all those years of being in the sport and um, you know after all this time having having a new new venture and uh, you know it's re-motivated me to grow more 
So, uh, just for people who might uh, might not know, uh, can you just tell us the main uh, the main differences between Muay Thai and kickboxing? Uh, in terms, uh, yeah. so um, there's no elbows, which is pretty obvious usually. Um, as far as the clinch goes, some organizations allow a minimal clinch, um, but you definitely can't really use it. So it's a minimal clinch, if any at all. And then, depending on the organization as well, some don't allow sweeps, some don't allow grabbing kicks and countering. It, it kind of depends because there's so many different kickboxing organizations. Um, you know, and like, like Muay Thai, it's like always five rounds, almost always a five-round fight where kickboxing is generally three of um, you know so those little variations you know the pace is completely different the the uh, it, it, it may look similar on the outside but it, it's a completely different sport mm-hmm. uh, so what is uh what is it like uh you've had fights in thailand and you also train in thailand what is the yeah. atmosphere and environment like training and fighting uh in thailand like it's a completely different thing. You know, you you come up here and you develop and, you know, you get really good as far as states, being in the states goes, and then you go over there and realize you're not anything. You're not anything even to a child over there. <laughs> so it's, it's a very humbling, eye-opening experience. Uh, you know, no, very, no people over there, I don't want to say no people, but... Very few people over there are doing the sport for a hobby. You know, it's a business. It's people's livelihood. It's their job. So the training and their mentality conveys that and the seriousness of it all. You know, it's not, I'm just doing this for fun. I'm just doing this because I love it. I'm just doing this because um, I want to get some photos on Instagram, (laughs) you know. So it's a it's a completely different mentality, and being surrounded by that is 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 a really amazing thing. I mean, obviously there's people here in the states that have that mentality too, but those are very few and far in between. So to go there and to be surrounded by people, um, not only at that caliber, but with that with that mentality and that approach, um, you know, it's an infectious thing. You know, being surrounded, being surrounded by it. What I always find fascinating is whenever I watch a, a fight from Thailand, and it's usually against two Thai guys, and they go to the records of both guys, and it'll say, this guy who's from Bangkok and is 21 has like two, 201 wins, 70 losses, 10 draws. And I just, I just find that fascinating how many fights some of these people have before they're even like, before, right before they're 20. Do you, oh, yeah. Is that something that like when you went there, and so, uh, could you, was that something you just couldn't believe that they had so many fights by just like such a young age? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, they, you know, especially when they're kids and coming up, I mean, they'll fight weekly, sometimes multiple times in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what you got to realize also is like when you're smaller and a child, you're not inflicting that kind of serious damage that you would at a, once you're kind of grown. So you're able to go in there and have these matches and, you know, get a lot, a lot of experience. And the thing in Thailand, too, is everywhere has fights every week, every day sometimes. If you want to get a fight, you can get a fight anytime, anywhere. It's very easy. 
which is the complete opposite situation we have here in the States. It's, it's almost impossible at times to get fights, uh, particularly uh, at the high level. Um, you know, like when I was coming up, it was, it was relatively easy to get fights in the beginning, amateur and whatnot. Um, but once you develop to a certain degree, there just wasn't the shows and there just wasn't the competition. There wasn't the people at that level to get in there with. So after you kind of ran through a certain caliber of fighter, there was nobody left and you're kind of left with nothing to do and no one to fight. And the, I mean, it's similar now too, although it's getting better, but the thing is you have to make that jump and there's no, we don't have like a, a, uh, an easy way to develop like you're you're jumping from from such a infantile state to the big leagues and there's no in between and very few people are willing to one risk that and two put in the work necessary and make the sacrifices in order to get there and and that's really never changed even over the last 15 years because there still are so few shows um particularly at the higher level, relatively high, high for us level. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have people that, you got the, it's the big fish in the small pond mentality. You know, you got a lot of fighters who do really well here and they're, they're comfortable and, you know, they, they, they're able to hold their head high and like, I'm, I'm the best in America or whatever. But and once you realize that's insignificant to the rest of the world and you're basically nothing, well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to make that jump, and not a lot of people do, and very few have. Um, you know, there's, there have only been a handful of us that that were willing to do that, were willing to sacrifice so much in order to even fail at that. You know, and that it's such a tough thing. And you know, I don't, I don't blame people for not doing that, but it's like if this is what you want to do, you have to do that. There's because there's no other way to do it here in a gradual sense, you know, you kind of have to dive into the deep end and lo- you learn how to swim mm-hmm. while you're getting attacked by sharks. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, what do you think, uh, what is your opinion on the on the uh, perception of kickboxing in America? I feel like that kickbox, uh, it, it doesn't get its due in America. I don't know if you agree with that um, or you have any thoughts on that. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, a big problem is kind of what happened in the... 90s, 80s, 90s with the point kickboxing, karate with the pants and everything. I think it, uh, you know, it, ha- it was really big for a long time. And then um, once they started competing against some of the ties and just getting annihilated, it, it, it changed. And then instead of like taking that and developing it, we started shifting more towards like point fighting and all those kinds of things and, and made a made a shift towards like karate and, and, and sparring as opposed to real fighting. So I think that kind of put a bad taste in people's mouths and whether it's kickboxing or Muay Thai, you kind of get lumped into the same thing and people have that old, um, how it was back in the day, still kind of stuck in there and it's been, it's been very difficult to help it develop here. Um, but that, that's that been the case. I mean, even with MMA, you know, look at, look how long they were just not relevant at all and, and going out of business and all of these things. And 
it was just the right thing at the right time with the right people and the right promotion. It kind of all came together. But prior to that, it's easy not to remember how it was. You know, that was only 15 years ago, uh, if that. Mm-hmm. But when when it was like the dark ages of MMA, and now now look at it. You know, they're they're giving every everybody a run for their money. So, um, you know, I, I see kickboxing and and Muay Thai along those same lines where. One day, I, I do hope that the right things will come along and pan out like that. But but either way, it's slowly developing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's a long it's a long road as well. Do you think that MMA also coming around the time that it did kind of maybe kick kickboxing to the back of the line just because yeah. it, 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 you know, you know, with you, when USC got that television deal with Spike, basically became the idea of what martial people expect from martial arts. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, for sure. oh, oh yeah. And you know, um, but right now, probably like the only promotion, kickboxing promotion that people know about right now is glory, which is on the UFC fight pass anyway. So yeah. there's really, yeah. Do you, so you agree that MMA did have something to do with kickboxing, just not, uh, yeah, you know, M- MMA is one of those things that it has helped, but it's also hurt kickboxing and Muay Thai in a lot of ways. You know, it, it helps in the sense that all of those guys have to train that, and, and they that helps get that exposure out there. You know, they talk about it a lot on, on the cards and, and the commentators and things, but, but similarly to that, a lot of it is bad information and then... You know, it gives people a very skewed perspective of what kickboxing Muay Thai is. And, and, you know, another big problem, too, is you'll have these promotions like Glory um, who will come along and, and Bellator. And they do, they'll do some really good fights, but then they'll have some really bad ones, too. And, and the problem is you're trying to, you're trying to bring new fans to this sport. So there's no room for mediocrity, and there's no room for cutting corners, and there's no room for um, it just being a side kind of project. You know what I'm saying? So because what you what happens is you have people that have never seen the sport, and then they come, and there's people in there who maybe aren't very good, and you know they're just trying to fill the card, and like, oh, this is kickboxing, this is Muay Thai, this is stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, this doesn't look cool at all like it's not very entertaining so that's kind of the tough thing you know you, you got to get people who are really motivated and um in the sport for the right reasons just like the fighters are so to find a promoter who has the same mentality that a fighter has to is a very rare thing you know i've, I've been very fortunate to work with uh, scott coker and bellator and he's really one of the, the standalone promoters I've ever met in the entire world who has the very same mindset and, and, and energy towards what he's doing. He's not in it for like a quick uh, explosion. He knows it's a long road. He knows you got to put the work in. He knows you got to do it for the right reasons and treat people the right way. And, and you know, every, we're all in this together. You know, a lot of, a lot of promotions treat you like an employee. You know, it's, we're not employees. Like, What's good for me is good for you. What's good for you is good for me, and we have to work together um, across the board with everybody. It can't just be – it's never going to be one promotion doing it. It's going to be a, a, a group effort 
um, with everybody coming along because um, there needs to be stages as well. You know, there needs to be yeah that high level promotion that would like the elite fight, but there's needs to be ones in between as well, and that's something that we don't have. We have like brand new top first kind of five ten fights, and then you have elite level, and there's nothing in between, and there's no way to develop in that. What I was referring to along those lines, where you know we don't have the um, that pedigree that you need in order to compete with the top level um, because they all have it. You know they they grow up fighting, um, and that's not just Thailand. That's Europe. That's um, Asia. That's that's Australia. All those places have much a much deeper pool to develop from, and we just don't. So speaking of actually Bellator, uh, do you, is is there anything you could talk about regarding the I guess status of Bellator kickboxing right now? They haven't had a show I think almost a year now. Are they are they currently yeah. on hi- hi- hiatus? Are they are they just working out going to show or do you not know? Yeah, they, um, I think their next one, the next one is going to be um, twelve weeks after this Ryzen card, so it's October. I want to say beginning of October. Yeah, they they um. They were working with uh, another promotion, doing some co-promoting, and then trying to help develop and build. And you know, they've had some, they've had their ups and downs with developing their kickboxing um, roster and, and things. But uh, yeah, so kind of, it kind of got, I don't want to say it got put on hold, but they're, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're still moving forward with it. Okay, that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I just resigned with them, and that's actually how this fight. Um, happened is because they they set it up for me because uh, their next show was until October so they have a good relationship with Ryzen and uh, got me on that card. Great. Well, actually, that's a, another great transition. Let's talk about uh, Ryzen Seventeen coming up, uh, facing Daiki Watabe. He's uh, from Teppan Gym, uh, who pr- most people probably know as the gym that Tenshin Nasakawa uh, trained yeah. at. And I just want to get your thoughts on your opponent, uh, Daiki, Daiki Watabe. Have you watched any video of him um, or seen anything of his? Anything you can talk about regarding him as an opponent? Yeah, yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen a few of his fights. I know that he, he's, he's fought a lot at a much heavier... I mean, this is heavier for me anyway. We're fighting at 147.7. Um, you know, and I fight Bellator at 45. And even that's heavier for me because... 90% of my career I fought 140 um, so I had, to, I had to move up for Bellator and then this one's up again and then he he fights at 154 a lot so you know he's a he's used to fighting a, a larger person um, and dealing with that kind of power and, and those kinds of things so it's a it's a different uh, thing I gotta work with you know uh, I, but I fought plenty of people much much larger than me over my career um he's 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 very awkward he's uh he's got his own kind of unique style you know he uh he just throws from weird timing weird angles weird rhythm um yeah it's one of those uh, i'm looking forward to it though it's it's a, it's kind of a different puzzle to solve you know it's not the typical high style or, or even the typical kickboxing style he, he's got his kind of own unique blend kind of a japanese style but really it's his own i wouldn't even call it a, a japanese style so um yeah i'm looking forward to trying to solve that puzzle 
another thing about him is he's also a southpaw. Uh, I'm guessing yeah. you probably fought southpaws before, so it's probably nothing new. Yeah. But is there any way? Do you have to adjust how you train when you fight southpaw, or is it just do you not just do you not train at all any differently? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I have fought so many southpaws. I mean, I fought the best southpaw in the world, and Sam Chai, and then Sakadai right after him. So I have a lot of experience in fighting elite level southpaws. Um, but yeah, they always they always throw a little different look in there that you're not used to. And again, even him being kind of awkward and different in that, you know, being southpaw and being stylistically his own makes for, you know, some adjustments that needed to be made. And, you know, but a lot of that plays into what I've been wanting to do anyway. And then that's kind of redevelop different things and reapproach my training and my style and, um, you know, I've, I've really reset and started over. You know, after my last fight in July, I took the first break I've ever taken in 17 years um, and kind of needed to take a step back and see things from the outside and, and adjust. And, you know, I moved down to Southern California and I'm training at uh, the boxing club now and, you know, di with different people, different coaches. So everything's been new and that's kind of helped in a sense with this fight because this is new this is different and I needed to approach it in a different manner not just the same old thing that I always do and just grind it out and that kind of thing so I've been a lot more conscious about what I've been doing why I've been doing it how I've been doing it a lot more engaged in the process than uh, just turning the brain off and doing the work you know so are you still with CSA? no okay well no, I, I, I moved. Uh, I actually moved like a year and a half ago. Um, I was still training there for my last two Bellator fights. I was still traveling up there to train, but but um, not anymore. Um, and you know, we didn't have a falling out or anything. Like we're still um, we're still cool and everything's great between us. But no, I'm I'm living full time in Southern California now. So I train out of a boxing club in San Diego, um, which is uh, a place that I've gone. You know, ever since the beginning you know Artem I've, I've known him um, since our amateur days and I've always traveled down here usually on vacation um, but now I'm training here full-time and it's been it's been great so, so also another thing about uh, your opponent is that he also has a uh, as they say in the sports world an under 500 record he is 22 23 and 2 does that at all do you is there do you ever look at, a, at an opponent's uh, kickboxing record and just think, you know, if their record's not as, doesn't have that many fights or if it's, you know, more losses and wins, do you take, do you uh, pro approach them any differently or do you just take, do you take every fight basically the same or as seriously? What's his record? I didn't even know. What uh, it is. Uh, tw uh, I have it as 22, 23, and 2. Oh. So that's uh, no, almost 50 fights. Like, some, you know, it's kind of the. It's really, I've always had that kind of tie approach mentality where it's it's not really about the wins and the losses as much as it's about the experience. Mm -hmm. you know, because you can be undefeated against a bunch of garbage people and that doesn't really apply to being better. Mm -hmm. Or you can, be, you can have a really bad record, but if everybody you fought was at an elite level, that those numbers are very skewed because unless you know the whole story, and even then... Um, Numbers don't mean anything when you're in there. It's 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 a fight. So very rarely do I even look at or am concerned with 
a number um, that somebody's got because it's really just about experience and, and you don't really even know how they've let that affect them. You know, they could have all these losses, but they could have learned from all of them and developed and gotten better, or they could have had all these losses and really let it grind them down and, um, you know, they've lost that will to push themselves and they're just in there to fight and you don't really know that. And if you go in there expecting one thing just because of what it may appear to be on the outside, you're probably going to have a really bad day um, because those things are, records are, are, are just the one little piece of this entire puzzle, you know, and, and too often we look at them as um, such a, 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 what's the word, like a, <laughs> A meaningful thing, and they—they only have so much value to them. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, there's a lot more to it. You know, every record should have an asterisk next to it because it's like, who did they fight? Like, mm -hmm. what was going on? You know, did, was the fight close? Did they get knocked out? What was the level difference? What was the, was it short notice fights? Was it you know all? The, there's so many factors that go into that. But that, I mean, it's a very—it's very much an American thing, you know. You don't find this in, in many other countries where it's like we view these records as such a, a, a drastic thing. It's like you have to be undefeated, and that makes you great. But like, not really. It's really about the experience and, and how you've developed and what you've had to go through and um, grow through in the process of it. Where where other countries, it's it's about the fight, you know, and it's about the fighter. It's not about the end result necessarily. And, you know, that's what's always so great about fighting in other countries too is the fans understand that. And, uh, um, you know, they, they, they treat you that way. They don't, they don't treat you as your record. You know, they treat you as what you put on display in that ring, you know, or wherever. They, they treat you by the heart that you show, the, 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 the passion and the, the dedication to the sport that you have, and the, the, your heart and soul that you put on display. And that's always been something that's been very important to me and that I've been drawn to even before I started fighting is, is fighters like that who, you know, they're obviously not in there just to eke out a win any way that they can. But it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you who I am and the end result is going to be the end result, but you're going to know that's me out there, and I gave it everything that I have, and, you know, that's the way I fight, and I've always tried to fight, because when I look back on my career, those are the things that I'm going to remember. I'm not going to remember my record, and most people won't remember your record either. That's a very, it's kind of a silly thing that we put so much emphasis on, um, these records, but you know, when you look at your greatest fight, your favorite fighters, do you know what their records are? Do you do you care about their losses? Do you even do you even watch, or, or do you watch the the competition? You know. Mm -hmm. No, that's a that's a very good point. That's a very good point about records. Something that's that's always been discussed in combat sports, from boxing to MMA, just the importance of records. That is, you brought up so many good points. Um, uh, oh, the other question I want to bring up is, uh, this is not going to be a Muay Thai kickboxing bout. It's going to, I believe it's going to probably be, uh, Oriental kickboxing, um, rules, which is, uh, no elbows, right? Yeah, no, I mean, kickboxing in general usually doesn't have elbows anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. so that's, that's 
pretty normal. You know, like Bellator and, and Glory, they, they don't allow elbows, so mm. that's kickboxing. So um, they're, they're, the only real variations you tend to see in the different kickboxing organizations is if they allow clinch, how long they allow the clinch, if they allow you to grab kicks, um, if they allow sweeps. Those are kind of the, the few variations in there, and, and I still don't know specifically what the rule set is. I mean, it's kickboxing, so I know in general what it is, but, uh, you know, you, don't, you never really know. Even when they tell you what the rules are, <laughs> it's really just a matter of what the ref is going to say you can do and can't do. You know, I've had fights where it's like, okay, you're not allowed to sweep, and I was getting swept, and, like, that wasn't a problem. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, <laughs> Yeah, you you gotta. It's kind of one of those things like you gotta know. You want to know what the rules are ahead of time, but you gotta be able to make the adjustments in there as well. It's just like knowing a fighter ahead of time. You can. It's good to know who you're getting in there with and have an idea, but they might fight different, or you might fight somebody different. Yeah. You know, so you need to be able to make adjustments on the fly. So do you do you, uh, do you feel there will be any uh, you'll have any disadvantage? Or advantage being that there's no elbows allowed in this fight? No, I mean I've I've been uh, I've been fighting kickboxing for like three years now, so I haven't I haven't elbowed somebody in the face in a long time. <laughs> so I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable um, not throwing them as much as I would like to. So I, I, uh, I just would also like to bring up your point. I did watch some videos on him about him being awkward. Um, I would have to agree with that. You can find a bunch of his videos. You can find uh, competing for a K1 and Rise on YouTube. If anybody wants to watch him, he's very wild, very. I guess I, I know it's a cliche term, but unorthodox. You hear that a lot. Um, he he seems to not. He seems to not have. I guess composure. He just seems to throw without regard of his own defense. I guess. I guess what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. He um. He doesn't really do anything for a purpose. Other than just to let things go, you know, not he's not trying to set things up at all, um, and he's not he's not too aware of what's coming back at him either, which in some instances is a uh, you can use that against him, but but it can be used against you as well because rhythmically everything is coming at a different speed, pace, angle. Um, so a lot of those things, if you try to fight him like a typical person and think they're going to fire back in a typical way, that's when people tend to get caught, you mm -hmm. know, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of part of the whole process is like, you need to, you need to be able to adjust the way you do things according to who you're doing them against. You know, one, one way doesn't work with everybody. You have to have abilities to change and, 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 and progress and develop and, and to um, mix it up a bit and, and, and adjust to what's happening in there and, and what you're doing, whether it's working or not, how, how to make it better or how to do something different. And, and that's always something that dictates or, or, or what the higher level people are able to show. You know, you look at a guy like uh, Yodson Fly or, or any of those guys like that, like, they always fight relatively the same. You know, they throw the same weapons, they show, throw the same techniques over and over and over, and they do it to every single person. And what 
not a lot of people recognize is the adjustments that they are making on the different kinds of opponents. You know, that that's how they're able to do that regardless of who's in front of them. It's not they're not throwing it the same way every time, even though on the outside you're like, Oh, it's just a left kick, it's a left uppercut, it's et cetera, et cetera. But doing that to all different styles of people people going forward, people going backward, big people, small people, side to side people, that's what distinguishes levels of people, their ability to adjust their basic techniques regardless of who's in front of them and apply them in a very similar fashion. How do you see the fight going? Uh, do you see this guy, he's, he's just going to leave himself open first round, you're just going to get a kick and he's going to go down? Do you think that uh, it's going to be a three-rounder? a three rounder? How, how do you see this fight going? I don't really like to predict it out too much. You know, I, I know that I have a pretty good sense of how he likes to fight. You know, he's going to just come all out like a tornado of, of things coming at me. And, um, you know, I need to dictate the pace and the rhythm and the speed and the distance and... What he does really well is when people try to fight the way he fights, where they're just throwing back at him, because then, then it's just a matter of somebody's going to get caught. You know, it's a you're, you're taking a lot of um, you're just guessing and hoping. The key is to take the you want to take as much of the guessing out of fighting as you can, and um, be be certain about what you're doing, and be certain that your defense is up, and be certain that. This is going to land at this time for this reason, and as whether it does or doesn't, I'm I'm taking in that information and adjusting accordingly. Um, what tends to happen with a lot of people though is they get sucked into that turn your brain off and just throw and hope for the best, mm. and that's a very dangerous game to play, particularly with somebody that's used to fighting that way, and especially for me, somebody that's bigger than me. Um, that is something I just can't do and then it's tough for me not to because i'd like to do that and just just go i mean i, I think i do it in a much more mindful way and, and with, uh with a lot more purpose but i like to go and just put the put the pedal to the floor and, and you know push the pace and that kind of thing but 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 i need to be able to dictate how that goes and change gears and speed things up slow it down go forward go backward all these things so you know a lot of uh different variety than people are used to from me um, is what uh, you're going to see. And will this be your first time fighting in Japan? No, I actually fought there I fought three years ago on the S1 Cup uh, oh. shoeboxing. Ah, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, so that was my first time in Japan. I mean, this is, I mean, that was shoeboxing, which is kind of kickboxing but yeah. it's like <laughs> so this will be my first time like in a familiar, more familiar style, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, Japan's amazing. Their cards are amazing. This, especially this arena, I mean, it's 37,000 people. That's where um, Mayweather Intention fought. It's uh, it's pretty enormous. I was uh, I didn't, I wasn't sure if it was going to be at the big one because sometimes they do the smaller venues, yeah. you know. And uh, I wasn't sure, and then they sent me where it was going to be, and I was like, oh my gosh, like. That's enormous. It's huge. It's beautiful. It's it's gonna be a amazing experience. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. So you are a kickboxer, Muay Thai kickboxer, and you've done shoot boxing. You've virtually done all. I've done, I've done boxing as well. Oh, as boxing. 
Sanchao and MMA. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what else there is for you to do next, but my God, you know. I haven't done any karate or taekwondo. Maybe bare knuckle. How about bare knuckle? Is bare knuckle in it? I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe when I retire, I'll go do one of those for fun. Uh, but okay, so yeah, this won't be. Uh, is will this be one of the biggest crowds you've ever fought against? As you guess, you uh, fought for fought in front of, I should say, um, thirty-seven thousand well, people. I fought on the King's birthday, which is like a couple hundred thousand people. But that's one of those ones where it's there's so many people and it's outdoors that your brain can't even compute <laughs> what's happening. You know, so it's very different when it's in a stadium and it's enclosed. Um, I think I've fought in front of, in the stadium, like 20,000 before is, is the biggest. So, yeah, this is going to be almost double the size of uh, anything I've ever fought in front of before. But, you know, for me, that that's usually when I fight my best is when the stakes are at their highest and when the, the pressure is at its greatest. That's, that's when I feel at my best and most at home. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. So you did uh, bring up that uh, that uh, the tension uh, Mayweather match. Uh, what, I just want to get you, what are your thoughts on on that whole debacle? Uh, man, um, it was just a silly thing. Um, you know, obviously Mayweather knew what he was doing. He, he, I mean, he didn't even have to train for that and just went in there and played with the kid. Um, you know, obviously Tension's an amazing, amazing fighter, but. It's not boxing, and boxing is very, very different. Um, I don't care how many kickboxing fights or MMA fights you've had. Um, it's not boxing. And the same goes vice versa. I mean, if Mayweather got in there and did kickboxing, they would probably last a round. You know, no matter how good your boxing is, if you don't understand kicking, if you don't understand knees, if you don't understand the rhythm and the distance in those things, it's very different, you know, and, and I don't think... For some reason, people don't really understand that, and which is crazy to me because it's not like it's not like you take a uh, basketball player and put him in a soccer game and think he's going to do well just because he runs, or, or a baseball player for that matter. And you know, even though maybe some of these sports are similar, like a rugby player and a football player, it's similar. But if you put one on the other, and vice versa, they'd probably do very terribly because they don't understand the sport and as much even though there's similar things like like in fighting we're, we're all punching each other we're all kicking each other and doing all these other things but they're night and day different you know even even the difference between muay thai and kickboxing is night and day different it's a completely different sport no matter how similar you think that they are or seem to be they're just not so um to think you're going to go in there and fight one of the best fighters of all time in a sport you've never really done, I mean, it's kind of silly. Yeah, it's the same thing with, like, the McGregor thing and, you know, all that. It, it's it's kind of stupid. I mean, it's I guess it's, people get excited about it, but I think it's it's like a freak show. It's like a circus. You know, I don't, I don't really see the benefit in it. I think it takes away from the legitimacy of the sport, and uh, I think it does more harm than good. I can tell you the reason why sells tickets, gets people oh, to tune on. Of course, that's the only reason why. Like, like we know what the, the the deal is, but you know the problem with that is, it those flash in the pan things seem good on the surface because yeah, you do sell a lot of tickets, you do get a lot of promotion, but the backlash from it, the negativity that comes from it, 
in the long run, it destroys the sport. You know, the uh, the K1 ad that kind of happened here in the States, you know, they, they were doing really big things like 10 years ago with really great fights, really great cards, uh, great fighters on the cards. Then they started steering away, bringing in the freak shows, the, the, the kind of one-off fights that just were like two giant dudes and like one little dude. And yeah, it's kind of funny and it's exciting for a minute, but it takes away from what you're really trying to do and develop. In the long run, that it, it's what destroyed them, and they, they stopped doing shows here and, and stopped doing shows altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, just curious to know as well, um, if Ryzen ever came up uh, after... Well, I just, before I ask that, do you have any more fights with Ryzen, or is this a one-fight deal, or is there anything you can say about what the fight... Um, I don't uh, I don't know. I mean, I would... I would I would always love to fight for them. You know, I think that Bellator and Ryzen is, has a good uh, relationship. So I could see it happening in the future. Um, I just don't know what's on the cards or, or what. Uh, you know, I just, I just re-signed with Bellator, so I have a 18-month um, contract with them. And, you know, obviously they're the ones that set this up. So. Okay. Whether that happens again in the future or not, um, or whether they're looking to do some co-promotion type things, uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's great for everybody, uh, the fighters and the uh, promotions. So um, I'm I'm always open to things like that. Uh, uh, hopefully they will. So uh, so then I'll go back to that question again. So you win this fight, Ryzen uh, come comes to you and says, "We would like you to do another fight for us. We would like you to fight in a kickboxing match against Tenshin Nasukawa." Would you? What would your What would your response be? Oh, I, I would fight him at the drop of a hat. You know, as long as uh, obviously my 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 um, priorities fall with Bellator, and if Bellator was fine with it, yes, I would one hundred percent do that. And now, he, would love love to do that. He normally fights at at the weight classes around one one twenty five, one thirty five. I think he's actually doing a, a kickboxing tournament right now at one thirty five. If I'm correct. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, 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 I fought. Uh, I mean, I fought as low as 127 at one point, so I could uh, seemingly go down to 35, or maybe we could meet at like 140. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm open to something like that. Well, the last time I think that he ever fought at 140, I think the closest was uh, was for the Floyd Mayweather fight. I think that he had yeah. to be at his highest weight then. I'll be honest. I don't think he looks. He don't. He doesn't look a pound over one forty, in my personal opinion. I no, no, though. he's 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 pretty small. I mean, small for you know one of fighters. I mean, I'm I'm relatively small in comparison to a lot of people too. So, um, yeah, but he's also you know he's also very young as well. So he's gonna probably develop and grow muscle and and get stronger and bigger. You know, that's I definitely did um, over the years. So. You know, you, you never really know what's gonna happen and, and come of people down the road. And as I said, I, I can I can drop to whatever needs to happen. You know, if uh, if that kind of fight was on the books, I mean, I think that would be enormous for for everybody. You know, I think it would be a, a, a giant uh, promotional success if if they were able to line that up and uh, we could make it happen. Uh, I also want to ask. I know I I. Uh... I watched your fight on Lion Fights against um, the Polish uh, hammer guy, uh, Kevin, um, forgetting his name. <laughs> that was, um, his name's 
Chris Kwiatkowski. Chris Kwiatkowski, yes, not Kevin. What am I saying? Um, but yeah, I watched that fight, and uh, they mentioned that you had that was your fight that that you came back after you had ACL surgery. Yeah, um, that was my first fight um, after I blew my knee out, um, which I had the surgery nine months and one week before that fight, and that was uh, that was my first fight back, and that was Lion Fight's first televised uh, fight. Um, so it was it was really cool. Um, experience and just all those things kind of coming together for that moment um, and in that like from that moment really Muay Thai kind of blew up here in, in the States and they started doing some good shows and you know like me and Tiffany and Joe and we all kind of helped it develop and you know there was some there was a lot of great things that kind of happened but unfortunately that promotion kind of fizzled a bit and you know, they, they stopped really pushing it like they were and have, you know, dropped down pretty drastically to the lower level. I mean, it's great that they're still there and there's still a platform for people coming up, but, you know, it was at a point where it was like high-level fighters, like world-class fighters um, every time, and that's not the case anymore. Well, uh, uh, when did you have to train any differently, or ha have you been training differently since that? I know that was uh, quite a number of years ago, but I know that ACL surgeries are just—it's it, coming back from from something like that is different for everybody. Some people just never fully recover. Some people come back and it's like they never they never took a day off. But well, what was the case with you when you uh, when your doctor gave you the okay to uh, return to uh, kickboxing? Well, it was it was a very long difficult, painful, emotional process, you know, uh, especially in the beginning, you know, when, when you're, you, you, you can't walk and you can't do anything, you're, you're stuck in bed in agony, it's like, am I ever going to be able to do this again? I, I don't know, and am I ever going to be able to do this at this level again? You know, and, and there's so many doubts and, and, and fears that you have, and you know, you can't do anything about them because you're laying in bed and, and not able to move. So it's a difficult process, man. And, you know, my hat goes off to anyone that's able to get through that and get, get back in the ring again because it's, uh, it's not easy, man. And, you know, like once I got to the point where I was able to function again and just walk, you know, it's like I didn't want to do anymore. I was like it was it took so much just to get to that stage. I was like, and then like looking ahead to how much more would have to be done in order to train again, in order to compete again, in order to compete at a high level again. Like, I don't know if I can do that, man. Like, I don't know if I can, one, I don't know if I can physically go through it. And two, I don't know if I have it in me to, to, to get there or even the, the ability to do so. So that was a very long, strenuous, painful thing, but, but. You know, it was just like anything else. It was like one day at a time, getting better, you know, sometimes getting worse, but then, you know, you pick yourself back up, and it was one of those things where it's like you just got to make up your mind. Like, either I'm going to do this regardless of how long it takes, how painful it is, how much I fail, or I'm not. So there, you can't really be in the middle. Like, I'm kind of going to do this if you – a lot of people are that way, and that's why it takes them so long. And, you know, usually they never actually fully recover from it because they've 
you got one foot in and one foot out. And that's the same with kind of anything you want to do in this life. If, if you're not all in, you're never going to make it where you could have. So, you know, it was, it was a it was a really great learning experience for me and a, a developmental um, experience for me. Um, I I wouldn't wish that on anybody ever. It was horrible and um, it was, yeah, it was awful. But getting through it and and it just gives you another more of an appreciation um, for what you're able to do. You know, I've been through so many injuries in my career where I've you know not been able to train and you know had to question if I was ever going to be able to do this again. That that was just one more, but uh, you know each one if you get through it, makes you that much stronger. And, and uh, yeah, but even even that first fight back, you know, it probably took me, I'd say, five fights till I really felt like I wasn't hesitating at all. I wasn't holding back. I wasn't, uh, I was comfortable again. Um, and that was probably, I think that was my fight with, uh, first fight with Yamato was the first time I felt free in there. Because I, I definitely, well, I watch, I was trying to watch I, fights before, I watched fights before your injury, and then I watched some fights after. And it was that with the uh, Chris Kotowski fight. It definitely seemed to be, you seemed to be taking, I guess, um, you're careful in what you were doing. If, uh, was that, yeah. that was my perception at least. Was that, uh, was that because just when you came back and you just obviously didn't want to re-injure? Or, and <laughs> just, well, it wasn't, it wasn't really anything to do, not so much to do with my knee, necessarily had to do more with coming off of a break coming off uh, or fighting a guy who I knew was very tough and um, I was a little bit rusty so I didn't I didn't want to try to like be very fluid and flow through things because I didn't know if they would the timing of them would really be there so yeah I was very mindful about what I was doing and how I was doing it um, yeah but my my distance and my timing and everything was it was terrible, man. Like, like I smashed my feet so bad in that because all of my kicks were landing very low on my shin, very low on my ankle and feet, um, and I was I was in agony during that fight. Yeah, I mean, you can't obviously can't see it, but um, yeah, I couldn't walk for a couple weeks after that fight happened because because of that. And, and you know that that just has to do with getting the ring rust off and. You know, being comfortable throwing those things again, uh, especially after an injury. But but even if, without an injury, t- that time off, um, you know, like well, with an injury like that, I wasn't able to spar or even train for such a long time that you know you get very rusty very quick. And so, but but it's been uh, about seven years, I think, since the injury, right? Was that twenty twelve? I have. It was no, it was two thousand fourteen. Okay, so it's been a few years. Have you gotten basically, I guess, your original rhythm back, or you have you have you has has the Kevin Ross before you got injured? Is is he back? Uh, that was 2012. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm back and developed into a different fighter altogether. You know, I've I've, I've taken all the stuff from the past and gotten rid of the stuff that maybe wasn't necessary or working and added new tools and got rid of old tools and you know the 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 process of martial arts and being a fighter is it's it's ongoing you're never 
you never really just one set way and then that's the way you are for, for the rest of your career you know if you don't develop you're not progressing and uh, that's unfortunately what happens to a lot of people is they stop progressing they, they stick they stick to what they know and they you know it's good to keep what you know but you got to still develop it you know there's never a point when there's never a point when something is so developed that you can't it can't get better mm-hmm. you can always get better you can always get sharper and anything that you do is a is very limited in the sense that if you don't keep working on it it goes away mm-hmm. you know so it's 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 an unending ongoing forever thing when it comes to martial art and your abilities and your skills and well not just martial arts just anything in life if you're not if you're not getting better you're getting worse so uh, into the non-martial arts questions i have one of the things i always get fast always i'm um, fascinated about asking is tattoos and uh i know I, one of the re- tattoos i'm able to recognize on you is the Willem defoe uh from platoon on your yeah. uh, on your right uh, uh bicep is that bicep or tricep Bye. Oh, your bicep, yes. Uh, so, yeah, um, I know you have a whole bunch of other tattoos, but I'm particularly uh, curious about the uh, Platoon one because that's one of my favorite movies. What made you get the... Uh, the, the uh, and by the way, for those that haven't seen, it's the uh, scene where... Uh, spoilers for this uh, 30-year-old movie where Willem Dafoe... Da- where Willem Dafoe, they're trying to escape from the uh, Viet Cong, and he gets shot and is left behind, and he does the pose that you see on the poster and everywhere for that movie. So, what made you get that uh, tattoo? That was actually my very first tattoo. Um, I saw that movie when I was just a little kid. Um, I don't remember how old. I was probably like less than twelve. I would say. Maybe how that. did you? I, sorry. I got, how did you see that movie when you were? Who did your parents bring you to that movie? That is that is the strangest movie to bring a child to. No, it was on TV. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's funny because I'm, I'm I'm working on my my second or third book right now, and you know I'm writing about my upbringing and stuff and. I hit my mom up and I was like, hey, when did I see Platoon? She's like, I didn't take you to Platoon. I was like, no, we watched <laughs> it on TV. Uh, so, yeah, it wasn't uh, – it was edited for television. But, uh, oh, okay. You know, that movie, particularly that scene, really struck a chord with me at such an early age. You know, it showed me that even if the outcome of something is inevitable – you still have a choice how you go out, you know, and that, I mean, that just applies to life in general, like, nobody's getting out of here alive, so you have a choice to do what you want with the time that you have, and then you you can use it to push yourself and progress and, you know, risk failure, risk death sometimes, or you can sit in your house where it's safe, and you're going to die anyway, and you're never going to achieve anything, so that... You know, at, at, even though I didn't really understand it at the time, I, I understood the concept of what was happening in that scene, and it really stuck with me for throughout my entire life from that point. You know, it uh, it really showed me that you really only have two choices in what you want to do in life, either risk failure or succeed at giving up and and for me even though you know i still succeeded at giving up for a very long time you know the point in my life when i decided to 
take that other route was understanding that by not going after these things, you're just failing at, uh, you're succeeding at failing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're succeeding at being a quitter. You know, you like, like you, 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 I'd rather go after it and fail at trying to succeed than be guaranteed failure. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that, that's really what that scene meant to me. And, even at that early age, and you know that's that's why I got that tattoo. What was my first thought? Uh, well, I, I that really connects uh, to the whole uh, ACL injury that you had. You could have easily just given up, said. Yeah, I'm done. and and there was there were ta- many 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 times um, where I don't want to say I almost did, but where it was really like, why am I why am I doing this? Especially like at that stage, you know, it's like. I had already done so much in this sport and, like, so many things. It's like I could very easily just say, oh, you know, like, my injury's too bad. I can't get back in the ring and just went off into the sunset, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't I didn't have to keep pushing myself. I didn't have to get back in the ring. I'd already done everything I could, ever could have dreamed, but... I would have known that I gave up. Nobody else would have known that. And that's 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 such a big thing in uh you know fighting for me, you know when you see fights it's like you know when you give up in there and when you don't. And and even if people on the outside don't understand it, people people who fight and know you know when somebody quits even if they got knocked out um you know it's a it's a choice. It's a choice whether you let something bad that happens to you break you or not and uh you know that for me that's something that will resonate through your entire life not just in the ring that's where it starts but uh um it it will infest everything in your life if if you allow it to and uh for me you know it's like if i still have this in me if i still have this driving me and then uh, if i know i can still do this then I need to do it regardless of maybe I had an injury or a couple of losses or that kind of thing because I'm I'm the one that's got to look in the mirror and know that I gave up because of a fear or doubt you know it like 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 it would be very easy to especially at a stage when it's I could quit and nobody would nobody would think of me as a quitter you know and that, that sometimes that's even more difficult when Nobody around you, nobody in the world would think any less of you, but you know that. I know that. I know that about myself. If I have this in me still, I know that I would be the one quitting, even if nobody else did, and down the road, that would just destroy me, and I would end up just destroying myself. Uh, that I, That is almost like the perfect way to end an interview, so I'm going to, before we officially end an interview, end the interview, excuse me, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, say, uh, through basically, as they say in wrestling, cut a promo on Daike Watabe if he ever happens to listen to this, uh, or even speaks English, which I don't know if he does, uh, say anything you want to, positive, negative, uh, neutral, anything you want to say about him or to him, the floor is yours, Miss Ross. <laughs> All right, man, I don't really have anything to, to say to him other than uh, I'm really looking forward to fighting him fighting in Japan, um, fighting at that arena in front of all those fans and all the people watching, and 
really looking forward to putting on a show for everybody like like I always try to do. I, I always give everything that I have to this sport, uh, particularly in the fights, and I am going to put on and show all the work and development that I've been working so hard at over the last uh, few months and years and years. I also want to give you an opportunity to plug your team, your sponsors, give a shout out to anybody who uh, you want to give a shout out to as well. Uh, I, I got to thank uh, the Boxing Club, who's my new home. You know, Artem uh, Shrovkin, who I've known forever. He's the uh, owner of that gym, and that's where I'm training. And now all my training partners, um, conditioning coaches. And there's so many to name, and I, I don't have a list in front of me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm. All my sponsors, Triumph United, Monster Energy, uh, and those guys. Uh, um, also, uh, give you an opportunity to uh, plug all of your social media where fans can reach you, follow you, and all that stuff. Yeah, you can. Uh, my Instagram and my Twitter are both uh, Dasol Assassin. That's D A Soul Assassin. Uh, I believe my Facebook is Kevin the Soul Assassin. Um, and I'm very easy to find if you just look me up. So, Google is your friend. Just be careful when uh, you Google Kevin Ross. The first yeah. thing that comes up is a musical artist who I never even heard of until. Uh, you know, uh, funny, funny story is they actually contacted me uh, a couple months back about maybe doing some kind of video with us together, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's still going to go down, but yeah, it was pretty funny because I always see, yeah, obviously he always comes up anytime um, I come up, and uh, yeah, his manager or something hit me up out of the blue like six months ago. Uh, uh, funny. Oh, like really? Oh, wait, so it wasn't like a joke thing, or like or like a mistake thing? Oh, no, like no, like for real. His, uh, they they uh, they put us in touch, and uh, they were talking about like he wanted to do uh, like a video shoot with me in it, and maybe like him training or something, and like. Because we'll both have the same name and some kind of something like that, but you know we didn't get into it further. But it was just like an idea, brainstorming thing. Oh, that's so funny. That's 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 so funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, uh, Kevin Ross will be taking on Daiki Watabe at Ryzen 17 at the famous Super Saitama Arena, July 28th. I said the 27th before, but it'll be technically the 28th in Japan. So. Yeah. I presume that it'll be on Fight TV. I don't know if it's been announced officially, but that's how Ryzen does all their shows. So probably it'll be on Fight TV, uh, Fight.TV, unless we hear otherwise. Um, and uh, Kevin, I appreciate you doing this interview. It was long, but I I absolutely love the conversation that we absolutely had about, I don't know, almost everything under the sun. Uh, it was my pleasure, man. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck in your fight. And we definitely, you know, we hope that you have a... Long career with Ryzen and Bellator, and we would definitely love to talk to you again in the future. Anytime, man. Thank you. Take care and have a great day. All right, you too.